Thank you for joining us today. My name is Brad Miller, and this is the Chronically Human Podcast, where we have discussions aimed at creating a better world with more individual freedom and less unnecessary suffering. Our guests today are Brandon Ash and his mother, Ginger Ash. Brandon has suffered from a severe case of Crohn's disease for over 20 years. He shares his story about how this terrible disease destroyed his life, how the medical establishment didn't have the answers to help him, and how he got his life back by using medical cannabis and Kratom. Ginger shares her story of what it's like being a mother with a son with a terrible chronic illness, how painful it was for her to see her son's life destroyed by it, her original opposition to Brandon when he started using cannabis, and how she now will tell anyone who will stand still long enough about her son's amazing transformation from sick and suffering to being healthier and happier than he's been in over 20 years. I really enjoyed the conversation with Brandon and Ginger because it is something I can relate to. I was diagnosed at age 11 with a severe case of ulcerative colitis. None of the treatments worked for me, so I had to have my entire colon removed. Since then, I've had multiple surgeries, tens of hospital stays, and over 100 doctor visits. And during the last 30 years, my mom has been a huge advocate for me as well. I exercise my health freedom by using Kratom and CBD oil to help manage my chronic pain. The only Kratom I trust is Urban Ice Organics. I would recommend everyone do their own research to see if Kratom is right for you. If you've decided to take Kratom, you should get the cleanest and highest quality you can find. And for me, that's Urban Ice Organics. They also offer an amazing CBD oil as well. You can find Urban Ice Organics at naturalorganics.com. That's Natural Organics with organic spelled O-R-G-A-N-I-X.com. Use the promo code chronicallyhuman20 to get 20% off your next order. That promo code again is chronically human with no spaces, the number two zero to get 20% off. If you'd like to learn more about my experience with Kratom, email me brad at chronicallyhuman.co. Of course, this isn't medical advice. Everyone is so different and everyone's situation is different. Please consult your healthcare provider for any decisions regarding your health and do your own research. Brandon and Ginger are simply sharing how cannabis and Kratom impacted their lives. Thanks for listening, and let us know your experience with using Kratom and cannabis. The more we share, the more we all learn. Thank you guys for being on the show today. Thanks, Brad. Excellent. Well, I have you guys on because of your personal story that you have to tell. I think that Unfortunately, there is a silent epidemic out there with chronic illness, and I personally have dealt with ulcerative colitis, and I know you've dealt with Crohn's disease, Brandon, for a long time, and that the traditional medical system is great for a lot of things, but it's also failing for a lot of people, unfortunately. And I reached out to Dave Herman with the American Kratom Association, which is a a great organization out there that's keeping Kratom legal, and he referred, and he helped to connect us. Uh, to tell your story about how you found relief from your Crohn's disease with medical marijuana and also with Kratom. So I wanted to have you on, and Ginger, I wanted to have you on as well, because chronic illness not only affects the millions of people that suffer with it, it also has a huge impact on the families as well. One of the, the worst things in the world I think that can happen is for a mother to watch their child suffer. And that is really not a story that's talked about enough. And my mom has seen that, unfortunately, for a long time. And that has a devastating effect on the families. And it causes stress and pain that really isn't quantified or even talked about anymore. So, Brandon, just to get our audience up to speed, what is your story? What is your history with Crohn's disease? 
And how have you found relief with some, what other people might consider some alternatives that, uh, that uh, the mainstream media and maybe the mainstream medical system hasn't come around yet on? Yeah, I, uh, I got sick with food poisoning when I was 17 years old. And I basically never recovered from that. And we started going to doctors and started trying to figure out, you know, what's going on? Because something was obviously very wrong with me. Um, nobody could really figure out what was going on. Um, took about a year before I finally, you know, several colonoscopies and everything before I finally got the diagnosis of Crohn's disease. Um, being from central Illinois, I had seen almost all the gastroenterologists in that area. And all of them really struggled to, to figure out like what to do for me, I suppose. Um, finally, you know, I started the, uh, the biologics, the infliximab. Um, and, you know, that seemed to provide a little bit of relief for a little bit. But, uh, I mean, probably less than a year later, it all kind of started falling apart again. And this was, you know, right around the time I went to college and a lot of transition and stress and all of that. Um, and basically I, I pushed through and through like sheer determination alone, like I kept moving forward, um, constantly having this Crohn's thing dog me every step of the way. Um, I was extremely, you know, medication compliant and, you know, I just wanted to get past this. I wanted, I wanted my life. I wanted to be, you know, normal to some extent. Um, and it just, it was not happening. And, you know, we kept, looking for answers or, you know, understanding and pushed our way through to some of the doctors that really are, you know, doing the groundbreaking kind of like treatments and therapies and uh, drug approaches to the disease. We ended up uh, at University of Chicago Hospital where their GI department is, uh, you know, just world class for Crohn's disease um, treatment. And you know, we, we did what they were telling us to do. And I was, you know, submitting to all the medications and just, you know, nothing was working. I was getting more and more sick constantly. And, you know, I ended up, I'm you know, going in for these, you know, chemo infusions uh, every two weeks. It takes about a week to recover from it. Um, you know, basically half my life is, is gone just recovering from, you know, what's supposed to be treatment for the Crohn's disease. And, you know, at that point, I was on immunosuppressants. Um, I was in constant pain. My weight was just, you know, dropping basically regularly. Um, you know, nothing was really working. And that led to, finally, they ended up, you know, I went in for surgery. They were supposed to pull 18 inches of my small intestine out. I came out of surgery. They'd taken over six feet of it. Wow. And, and talked about leaving more than two feet of clearly diseased intestine inside my body. Um, and I never saw a day of relief. I came out of surgery worse than I went into it. And, you know, at this point I'm, you know, I'm up at, up in Chicago and I'm, I'm seeing you know, Dr. Russell Cohen, who basically writes the textbooks for Crohn's disease and everybody's doing what Russell Cohen does. And, you know, they, they just couldn't get a handle on it. And, you know, basically I, I wanted health. I wanted real health. I wanted to feel healthy. Um, what they were telling me was, you know, my miracle treatments and the drug choices and all this, like, Brandon, this is going to be it. Lots of promises and stuff, but it never manifested. And I only felt worse. 
Um, so, you know, finally, like, you know, I had in my master's, I had started looking into real heavy into medical cannabis and what, what the potential was there. And it was about that time I had approached, you know, my mom and I said, you know, there's something here. Um, I started smoking like recreationally in college and looking back in hindsight, I noticed like, I just feel better. Like I can't explain it. I just feel better. And that was really my attempt in my master's was to understand like, why am I feeling better? Because this is the only thing that has made me feel better. Um, and finally, you know, a lot of research, a lot of, you know, digging and trying to figure this out. Um, you know, finally, Illinois came online with their medical cannabis pilot program. And, you know, I was signed up from day one. But even before then, I had already started digging into CBD oil. Um, I was doing cannabis tourism out to Colorado uh, to try and get some treatment. And, you know, once the once the program started and was up and running, and I had the ability to select the medicines that I needed based upon different strains, different numbers, more CBD, less THC, whatever. Um, my disease started having some just truly astonishing impacts and changes. Wow. Uh, you know, I finally, um, November of 2017 went in for what would probably be about my 17th colonoscopy, uh, was about a yearly ritual at that point. And for the first time I came out of that procedure still, you know, real hazy and real drugged up, but my wife was there and, and looked down and she just, her face was light, just completely glowing. Brandon, you got remission. And that was the first time that I'd achieved, you know, this clinical remission. And here it was, I did it um, at this point with no pharmaceuticals, no, no little orange pill bottles sitting around my house determining that this was going to be how I sought health and, and my treatment. I, um, you know, took a lot of chances, took a lot of risks to some extent, but really, went with what worked and what made sense in terms of my body and how my body responded to, to the other treatments, if you can call them that, that were out there. Um, you know, that eventually, you know, remission is one thing, but my body is, I mean, just, I've had Crohn's for 19 years now and my body's just been wrecked by that, the surgeries and stuff like that, where, um, you know, CBD, THC, the cannabis was a lot of it, but there was still something missing. And even after having remission, like I was, you know, still in the bathroom 15, 20 times a day feeling quote unquote great, but yet I couldn't stay out of the bathroom. Um, and that's finally where Kratom clicked in for me. And you know, um, uh, Sam's Club and Costco quit selling Imodium in their bulk right. section. Yeah. Yes. They just made that, oh, that nice. was yeah. hard. I mean, that trapped me in my house. I had remission, but here I was trapped in my house because, you know, emodium was the only thing that could even come close to trying to stop me up. And once they stopped doing that, we were scrambling because, you know, I'm, I'm trapped in the house and, and this is no way to live. And that's how we stumbled into Kratom. And from there, it's just been, I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable results with what it's done for my system and how my body's responded to it. That's, that's a fantastic story. I have a similar story. I went out to Colorado a couple times as well with medical tourism. 
Um, unfortunately, I didn't find as much relief, but with CBD oil, I'm definitely finding some relief now. And I think it's, uh, it's great that Illinois does have the medical marijuana, medical cannabis program, because you're able to experiment with the different levels of CBD and THC. And yeah. I think they do work in concert together to have a synergistic yeah. effect that, that yeah. do help a lot of people. And I'm glad that you were able to self-experiment. And that's one thing that's not talked about enough. I think self-experimentation is what people, when they don't fit in the medical system, have to do. You have to find something. If you're, if you're battling with your health, you know, I'm left with a permanent ileostomy. I had a, my entire colon removed. And you, know, you talk about 20 years of a disease process. That does wreck your body. And that doesn't show up on, on a blood test. Yeah. That doesn't show up on a lot of diagnostic tests because especially in the gut with adhesions, you know, there's nothing that they can do to actually look at those until they cut you open. And so yep. a lot of pain happens um, really invisibly for a lot of people. And so I'm glad that you have found uh, cannabis and Kratom that has been helpful for you. Now, Ginger, what was it like for you as a mom to, <laughs> to see Brandon go through this, you know, to struggle? And because, you know, he didn't give up. You know, did you ever feel like giving up or is that just not an option for you guys? Oh, no, that's not an option. No. And, and even when you're in your down and you're feeling out, I mean, there's always something. The secret to this, as far as I'm concerned, is finding the combination that works for you. What works for Brandon may not work for somebody else, but you got to keep trying the different things out there until you find what works for you. And don't give up. It's out there. You just have to find it. I totally agree with that as well. I've had to um, do a lot of self-experimentation. I use Kratom every day as well for pain relief and for other issues. And I've, I've been greatly benefited uh, by that. But like you said, it doesn't, it's not for everybody. You know, nothing is for everybody. And then everybody yep. should do their own research. And it sounds like, Brandon, that you've done a ton of research, especially with cannabis and later on with Kratom. What convinced you that cannabis was something that could help you? Was it the research or was it anecdotal stories or was it just talking about it with other people? Um, I mean, it really started with just the anecdotal of like, um, you know, I was two years maybe into Crohn's before I, you know, first smoked any cannabis at all. And again, like I, I felt better and I, you know, I didn't necessarily put two and two together because I was raised, you know, on the D.A.R.E. program with drugs are bad. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, that's how it was when I was growing up. You, you know, you say I'm really square. I admit it. I'm as square as they come. And yeah, you're a good mid Midwestern girl. So you're, you're very square. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd never done that. And so when, when he approached me, it was like, no, no, you can't do that. I mean, and, and I'll be real honest. I, I followed physicians. They'd say, do this, do this. I mean, I didn't know any, I didn't even know how to spell Crohn's when they told me he had Crohn's. And so I followed their lead. And it was as you start down that path, you start to realize that I maybe knew more sometimes than they knew. I have felt about, that a lot. Yes. Yep. You know, I would I'd get online and I'd check out these things and we'd go to his appointments and I'd say, what about what Iowa City's doing with the worms? You know, and they're doing this and they're doing that. What about Brandon? And they'd say, well, I don't know anything about that. 
And I thought, okay, so I was more cutting edge and than, than they were. So I would have to educate them. And if, if you see that, they can't know everything. Sure. Um, and I definitely got more proactive. And I said, okay, then I'm going to be in front here. Because he was still a, a young guy then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, try to help him. But when he approached me with the whole cannabis, I was like, oh, no. This is just going from back. Well, at the time, he was getting a master's in psychology. Oh, okay. So my, or I mean, it's doctorate, sorry. So my big thing was, how can Dr. Ash have this criminal history? You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's supposed to be you know, a doctor, uh, you know, someone you look up to, everyone, you know. So I, I didn't want that for him. I didn't want him to get into that. And to be honest, I believed all the rhetoric about, you know, that I grew up with. And then I did the research, and Brandon found the young boy that had Crohn's disease that was wheelchair-bound, and then started with cannabis, and now he's living a teenage life, or he's probably even older than that now, and he's living this great life, and I start looking at this, and you start talking to people, and you realize that maybe what you've been fed all these years is just a bunch of BS. It is. Yep. I I would agree with that. I wanted, you know, I'm like any mom. I wanted Brandon to be healthy. I just wanted a normal life. He doesn't need to be president of the United States or anything. Just give him a normal life. And cannabis brought him into the remission. I can't complain. I'm really happy. And everybody that will stand still long enough, I say, have you looked into cannabis? Have you looked into Kratom? At least look into this. But, you know, they they still believe they're where I was. Their doctors would not steer them wrong, you know, and there's just options available. And I mean, I think like for me, a big part of it was, um, you know, I was compliant and I was, you know, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like I trusted and I started to see like as that facade broke away, like there's this is undue trust. Um, They're human and fallible the same way I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're, you know, as mom said like their their knowledge base is limited and to see like maybe that might work for somebody and maybe that's what somebody wants maybe they just want to take a pill every day um but that's not what my goal was and my goal was to get back what i seemingly had lost um you know through so my background is I, all my degrees have been in science so i'm a trained you know scientist when it comes to psychology um and i started approaching it in that way of like then let me look at this with that scientific lens. And as I had the opportunity um, in my programs to like do presentations and lead discussions and things, like I always gravitated towards this because it was there's something here. The the endocannabinoid system is is as true as it comes. And why are we not looking into that and discussing this more in terms of what that's there for, even in the first place? And you know, as I started experimenting and, and seeing like, what can I do and what's the effect? And I started keeping journals and stuff and I would, you know, write down and for long periods of time, there was no like real movement or change on things. But, you know, once it got into the, my, you know, stronger use of CBD, of THC, like it started changing drastically from a recreational, like, oh, I just feel better for a little bit to, whoa, whoa this can, this can have drastic um, you know, effects on my life and how I live it on a day-to-day basis in a way in which, you know, no pill has even come close to touching, um, you know, just 
talk about a pain-free life. Like, I mean, I was on, you know, methadone at one point going to the pain clinic and, you know, that's not living. I don't, whoever says the pain clinic is living is not living. You're dying. Yes. And, I and they treat you like a second class citizen. They do. They yeah. treat you like a criminal. They, they, it, oh, it's based on the criminal justice system where you're forced to go monthly. You have to yep. open up your medical yep. life to prescription drug monitoring programs, which is federally accessible now. They're actually yep. selling that data back to doctors to give you a pain score like the Chinese do with their social score. Yeah. Yep. And, and wow. it also makes you pee in a cup like the, like the, the politicians and the bureaucrats. They think that they're able to control your life and determine what you should and shouldn't take. And if people are experimenting with cannabis, their doctor could totally kick them out of the pain management system, which is insanity. <laughs> I knew Barry so, would get excited about that. So I'm happened. sitting on the toilet one day, and you know I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Um, the program had just started in Illinois. And I was real excited about what the possibilities were. But like even like you know RSO, Rick Simpson oil and stuff, hadn't hit the market yet. And it was just flour and some minor concentrates. So you couldn't really get strong medicine. Um, so I was basically waiting for the RSOs to come around. And I get a call from the pain management. Um, and they go, so you just tested positive for a THC. I go, yeah, well, I'm in the medical cannabis pilot program. I have a license. This all makes sense. I should probably be peeing uh, hot for that. And they go, yeah, um, you're done coming here. Wow. And at that point, I was I was on methadone, and I had about half a month prescription left. And you know, I'm addicted as can be at that point. Mm -hmm. And it was again through through the benefits of cannabis, but as well as my lack of need for it was just a great transition moment of it, this is un, as unethical and irresponsible as it comes for you to do this to me um, to drop me like this. But fine, and you know, willpower and, you know, the determination to, to prove them wrong was enough for me to, to get off of methadone in a two week period of time, which I know is, it's hard, it's rare. Um, but damn it, they were not going to be the ones to determine the course of, of my life. They were supposed to be there to help me. These, I had hired these people to help me right. and here they are deciding we know what's best for Brandon Brandon's just a drug-seeking maniac, yes, and therefore we're done treating him because he can't be trusted. And when in actuality, they're the ones who can't be trusted with the irresponsible dosing and, and writing up prescriptions that they do. And that's something, too, that a lot of people don't understand the current pain management system. I was cut off from my uh, general uh, care doctor. You know, he'd been prescribing for over three years for chronic pain. And then he said one day, uh, I don't feel comfortable prescribing anymore to you. You need to go to a pain clinic. He gave me two months prescription and, and gave me the name of a pain clinic. And I called the pain clinic and they wouldn't treat me because they don't treat GI issues. And then I yep. called 10 other pain management places and eight of them wouldn't have anything to do with me. Either yep. they didn't prescribe pain medicine or they didn't want to have a self-pay. They looked at that as a red flag. And the yep. two that did said it would cost 400 to 600 dollars for an initial consultation with no guarantee, and then it's going to be 150 to 200 dollars per month, plus the cost of medicine, which is another 200 dollars per month. So the pain management system, in my opinion, is a racket, and I don't yep. think it's there to help patients. I think it's to protect doctors from liability. Yeah. Oh, they treated him terribly. If he was like 10 minutes late or something, they wouldn't do this and they wouldn't do that for him. And I mean, it was everything. It was just so 
or how many times I was in the hospital and just, I mean, severe, like, you don't want to live kind of pain. And to have them judge me and criticize me and tell me that this was, I mean, we had one doctor, he got fired real quick. It's all in his head, they said. Yes, Brandon, this I've is been told that head. as well. I've been told that. Guys, yep. You have no understanding of what I'm going through if you're telling me this is in my head. Uh, you know, my white blood cell count is off the charts. Something is dangerously wrong with me. Um, and for them to sit there and minimize those sorts of things, it was completely, um, completely irresponsible from a professional standpoint to, to treat a patient like that. Like Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, these are terrible pain-inducing um, diseases. And to act like, oh, yeah, you just need to keep your Crohn's under control and you won't be in pain, that's not my experience. Um, so what are we going to do to address my experience of life, which is, you know, Crohn's is extremely painful. Exactly. And, and the point about it being a painful condition that in, and then you throw surgery on top of that, especially surgeries that aren't effective for trying to improve your quality of life. You just go through something that's horrific. You have side effects. You have adhesions that last a lifetime. And adhesions, I think, are one of the biggest problems in America today with the chronic pain epidemic because that's something that doesn't show up on scans and it doesn't show up uh, when you're uh, when people are looking at your belly basically you know from the outside in but there's internal scarring that you have adhesions that stick bowel to muscle to fascia to actually to the pelvic wall I had one surgery where they had to scrape my bowel off the pelvic wall and that was one of the worst pains I'd ever felt this last time in the hospital was a few years ago I totally understand what you're saying because they minimize my pain for three days I had a terrible abscess that went undiagnosed and I was actually, if I could have found a window to jump out of, I would have. Yeah. Because people don't understand when you're laying in bed like that and you've gone through surgery and then you have additional pain on top of that and you know something's not right. You can tell yeah. immediately that something is terribly wrong. And then for the nurse not to come in for four hours or just to, and she won't call the doctor and the doctor doesn't, isn't there as well. And they think it's a hassle to bother the doctor so you can get additional yeah. treatment. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's absolutely insane. And especially like you talk about methadone, once you're in that pain clinic system, they can red flag you as well. And so once you're labeled a drug seeker, you don't even know if you are labeled or not yeah. with the current prescription drug monitoring programs. And I haven't heard of any kind of appeal process either if somebody does flag you for that sort of thing. Now, Ginger, what was it like when you were in the hospital with Brandon were you there with him as an advocate when he was sick? Did you, was your wife there, Brandon? Or how did you guys handle that? Because I, I recommend to everyone, my mom has been there for every surgery, every hospital stay, because I almost died a few times because of mistakes yep. that would have happened if I didn't have somebody there. I mean, before mom, you answer, like I would say, don't, don't ever walk into a hospital by yourself. Don't ever go at this alone. It is so dangerous. I mean, from my point of view, if it wasn't for my folks, um, as a young man, I, I wouldn't be here speaking with you today. Um, that advocacy and that support was absolutely crucial um, as a patient. Yeah, you can't leave. My husband and I always say, you don't leave your young and you don't leave the old alone in the hospital. And yeah, I, I would be there and he'd be in such pain. And, you know, to get his doctor would say, I can't give you any pain medication. Right. You have to go to ER. So we go to ER. Now, ER is strictly then acting just as a pain because there's nothing they're going to do for him other than control the pain. Exactly. 
and then they admit him, and, and, and he's, in, he's in the fetal position. He is in extreme pain, and there's a mama bear in every mom that comes out, you know. Right. And, I mean, I just go, hey, you said you were going to do that. You know, you had to stay on him. Otherwise, he would sit there for four hours, yep. and nobody would get him to a room to get him some pain management going. And uh, it, was, it was very hard. It was the hardest part about it is sitting there, and there's not a darn thing you can do for him. Not one thing other than be there because he's in such pain. There's nothing I'm going to say that's going to make it better. And there's nothing I can do. So just sitting there and feeling totally helpless. There's nothing I can do. So that's, that's why I got involved with, you know, I'm a volunteer for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation because um, it's the one thing that I can do for him. The one thing, you know, I can get out there and I'm doing it for everybody. And I tell people when I meet them, you know, I'm, I, I do this silent auction, so I'm looking for donations from companies for our silent auction. And I'm doing this for them. I'm doing it for them. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for you, for my son, and for everybody else that I run into. And you'd be surprised how many I run into that have Crohn's and colitis or know somebody that has it. Mm-hmm. And a, there's a lot out there. And I love the attitude from both you guys that you don't stop, you do what you can, you find out for yourself because I think the medical establishment is 10 to 20 years behind the the cutting edge of science. I really do. I think it's a a regimented bureaucratic system intended to, uh, you know, force people into these diagnostic codes when a lot of times if you have a complicated medical history like Brandon does, that you don't fit into these convenient little codes that they can use to build the insurance companies. And and, and if, uh, if they have a complicated case, you know, I've had a lot of doctors, not a lot, but I've had several doctors who wouldn't treat me because they said, I'm not going to take responsibility for that. And to be told that by a doctor, and then he sends you a bill after that is, (laughs) you know, that's, that to me is a slap in the face. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, And and what is your, Brandon's had some great experience. Like he, he even had a physician tell him, Brandon, why would I want you to get better? If you get better, I don't make any money. Say what? Yeah, this was a general practitioner I'd known for six or seven years. And in Illinois, you need a form signed attesting to the diagnosis in order to enroll in the cannabis program. And it's strictly just a form that states you have this disease. Brandon has Crohn's disease. Everybody knows Brandon has Crohn's disease. Um, and it was strictly just, I just need one of my doctors to sign saying, I do have Crohn's disease. She looked at me, she goes, why? She goes, I don't make any money off of this, Brandon. She goes, you know, you get better on cannabis and and what is it for me? It's nothing. And I told her, I I appreciate your candor. Um, you're fired, but I definitely appreciate your honesty because she was the last doctor. I went through five of them that had known me at most 15 years and all refused to sign this form for me. Um, you know, you're definitely fired, all of you. But, you know, that kind of honesty is a rarity in the medical profession. Yes. To, to open up and to say, like, not only are we scared of cannabis, and we're scared of the business model that we operate under, and we're scared what happens when patients take control and really advocate for themselves for what they need and what they're looking for, not realizing that you work for me. I'm paying your bills. Like, yeah, I know you get the kickbacks from pharmaceutical, but... You know, I'm here and I paid for this time to come see you. Now take care of me. And to have people put their hands up and say, basically, 
I don't have any interest in caring for you, though, um, because you don't want to do what I'm telling you to do, which is put all of these pills right back into your system, get back on the program, and then, you know, you'll be the happy patient that is compliant with what I want for you. Um, That doesn't make me feel any better, guys. So, you know, where's, where's the line to be drawn in it? For me, it's been, you know, basically, we'll do this. We'll find our own way. We'll do this on our own to some extent. Um, and honestly, when I got on the cannabis program, like I, uh, I mean, I dropped off the radar with doctors for a while and being somebody with chronic health condition, that's probably not the best thing to do. Right. There's some level of needing to be monitored, um, that goes into this, but for, oh, probably two, two and a half years, I didn't see anybody. And, you know, now at the present moment, I've got a doctor when I first met him, it was through the ER. Um, and he said, you know, once I started seeing him, he said, Brandon, I don't agree with what you're doing. Um, but I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to, to take this journey with you and to see what happens. And all along the way he was Brandon, you know, this, you know, you can take this if you want, you can take this if you want. He said, no, no, no. I know this is tough, but we'll get through it. There's just, if we had the research on CBD, on THC, on Kratom, if we knew what we will eventually know about these herbs, this I mean, I would know, you know, how much I need and how to dose and when to dose. And this would be taken care of. I'm willing to be the guinea pig and to suffer to figure this out. And we have figured it out. And at this point now, we're four or five years into this relationship with this new doctor. Um, His daughter's on CBD oil. He's wearing my Crohn's and colitis, uh, you know, walk shirts that have my team name. That's just, you know, champion cannabis and what it can do like I mean, he's, he's been converted to some extent by witnessing. And I mean, I'm the healthiest guy he sees. Um, but on the same rate, I'm kind of one of the most sick people that he sees too. Right. Um, except he's seeing me do this, you know, I'm supervised and he's keeping track of it all. And he's been nothing but impressed by the fact that there's something here that's genuinely working in a way in which he can't explain. Even with the Kratom. Yeah. Oh, he loves yeah. that stuff. Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I mentioned Costco and Sam's dropping the Imodium. Right. And, you know, they used to sell uh, 400 pills for like five bucks or something. Yeah, three bucks. And, um, yeah. The average day for me, the average, was probably about 50 Imodium a day. Yep. Um, I could get up to, I could push 100, you know, 80 to 100. And that was just for a 50-50 shot. You know, you've got 80 Imodium pumping through you. You don't feel anything except there's this, will I or won't I be in the bathroom for the next six hours? Um, You know, 50-50 shot. And, you know, that was a heck of a way to try and manage uh, the constant diarrhea. And, you know, my GI, this guy was, I mean, very concerned. He's never heard of people taking this much Imodium. And he even went and did his investigating to say, is this even safe for you to do? Mm -hmm. That's what I He said, it's safe. I like, I don't recommend it, but you know, there's, it's not going to kill you. Um, and it's not going to cause any terrible, you know, side effects or anything, but you know, I'd like you to stop this Brandon. And you know, when they quit selling, it basically forced my hand. Cause now you can only buy, uh, 36 pills once a day from Costco. Wow. And you know, it's an hour drive out to Costco and 36, you know, I take that for breakfast kind of, um, so we stumbled into the Kratom and, you know, I've looked at Kratom before for the, the chronic pain with the Crohn's, but it was too much going on at the time. And I tried a little and it was just like, it's expensive. And, 
I just wasn't seeing what I wanted. But when then this, you know, Emodium situation came around and we started looking at Kratom again, um, it started showing itself to be exactly what I needed um, on multiple levels. Um, I mean, there's some days I don't go to the bathroom but once. And I mean, that's a miracle. That is truly a miracle. It's pretty bad when your mom gets excited about it, right? You know, I mean, not to be like TMI, but like, you know, not having to do wash every day because you got to keep changing your underwear and stuff like that. Like, that's a huge difference when it comes to trying to have some sense of normalcy, Um, some sense of what a, you know, a 36-year-old man ought to be doing with his life as opposed to, you know, getting up to go to the bathroom every 40 minutes. Um, you know, and at the present moment, like I'm a, I'm a chef. So the idea of like, you can't be going to the bathroom all the time. And then, you know, five minutes washing your hands, come back and 20 minutes later, you're in the bathroom again. Um, so to see Kratom do this, like, I mean, not only, and I know for a lot of people that take Kratom, the, you know, the side effect of, uh, constipation is a terrible side effect for them. (laughs) But for me, I've tried literally everything. I mean, we're taking, I was taking slippery elm root, marshmallow root, you know, the emodium out the yin yang, um, anything I could get my hands on that had any side effect profile of constipation, nothing worked. All the prescriptions, nothing worked. Um, I would be, you know, with, with the diarrhea came just insane gas pain, uh, constant, terrible gas that caused terrible pain. Um, Kratom stopped all of that for me. Um, it's, it's not, it's not every single day. There's, you know, room to be made in terms of us understanding what's actually happening in my system when I'm taking this. Um, what's the alkaloid count due to different things and whatever. But I've got something at the present moment that works. Uh, I don't take generally but a few emodium, if at all. Um, there's, I mean, you know, this entire week, I've not taken a single one. Um, that's, that's, that's insane in terms of how good it is um you know i i take two teaspoons a day or two two teaspoons per meal morning afternoon evening and i can go out and do things with friends i can walk my dogs around the block without having to run home to use the bathroom um i can go on car rides to places i don't know i can go to events that i don't know where the bathroom is like it's drastic and i mean i'm for anybody in like mom said, anybody who's willing to stand still and listen for a second, it's listen to what has happened because it's been a long journey. It's 19 years and I've come a long way through, you know, some really bad stuff. And again, I, you know, seeing the world's best doctor for this and nobody could help. And now we found something and, you know, the AKA does a great job at, you know, maintaining the legality of it and, and going on the, you know, the attack when people are attacking Kratom and stuff. And that means a lot to me. Um, You know, we stocked up here recently when there was talk last fall of, you know, well, they're coming for Kratom again and, you know, nationwide FDA and stuff like this. You know, we need to buy some kilos now. (laughs) And and it causes additional stress. Now that I see what my life can be and now that I've got that back and, you know, not only the time, the energy as well. Um, I've got this back. Like you're going to have to rip this. I cold dead hands. Um, yes. yep. I, I this totally is agree. amazing. 
That, that's a great point about the legality and also about the emodium because it was the FDA that came out and made a recommendation you know, to raise the price on purpose to keep yeah. – I think there was like two people who went to an emergency room who are heroin addicts who yeah. used a ton of emodium, but yeah. they blamed the emodium instead of the heroin for all of their health issues. Yeah. And, yeah. Many, and many times in the addiction community, unfortunately – you have some people who have some really terrible physical and mental health issues that they're using a combination of anything that they can find. And a lot of times, you know, the, the media has come out recently, the CDC and FDA about Kratom being associated with 91 deaths. Yeah. And it's so misleading. And I think you talk about that one doctor saying, what does this benefit me? And I think there's an entire industry out there that is trying to protect their, their, their nut, basically. You know, when yeah. these uh, medicines are out there, these herbs are out there that are helping people. Now, Ginger, what did you've been talking about cannabis with people who would stand still for a while now? Have you also been talking about kratom to people? And what is their take on that? Because my experience is they don't know about it. If they do, they think it's super dangerous and kills people. Yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah, when when I talk about cannabis, I'm sure they a lot of the people look at me like. Uh, I'm, I'm a mother in denial, you know, oh, your boy's doing it. You know, first off, he is a 36-year-old man, and he can do these things regardless of what his mother says. Right. Um, but And, and I, tell, I tell everybody, don't believe me. Do your own research. Now, the bad thing is you can pollute the Internet with all kinds of bad information, you know, fake news. And um, the whole thing about Kratom, then I'll tell people, you know, look into Kratom, and I'll get notes back saying, well, I saw that it kills or it's addictive or, you know, and no, it's, it's the industry again, protecting the nut uh -huh. and coming up with these wild stories that, that aren't true. And anyone, you can do stupid things with anything. Exactly. You know, then they yep. talk about addiction. Oh, this is addictive. It's as it, Kratom is as addictive as a cup, you know, coffee. I mean, from the same family. It's so it's, it's, you know, like, Coffee. If you're going to miss coffee, if you have three cups a day, you get a headache if you don't have it, you're probably going to have something like that happen when you try to put Kratom. But nobody dies. They die when they mix it with other stuff or they buy it from someone that's definitely not reputable. It's laced with other stuff. So, And if it makes my son go from not able to do anything to he is pursuing opening a restaurant, Holy cow, you bet I'll do anything. I, I, I couldn't be a happier mom. This, he is what I've been wanting for him for almost 20 years. Yeah. Just a normal life, being able to go out, have fun, and not have to worry about it. And so many people don't understand this disease, so you don't look sick. You yeah. know, well, he, he doesn't look sick. He looks thin, maybe, but, you know, he doesn't look sick. And so it can't be too bad. And he's also gluten-free, which is a whole nother range of, of issues that you run into when people don't understand gluten-free. And instead of asking, they just decide for you or they say pretty ridiculous stuff. There is a lot of bad information out there. Now, Brandon, you're a trained scientist turned chef, but uh, when you're researching Kratom, what made you think, yeah, this is something I'm going to try? Was it uh, actual research like uh, Dr. McCurdy did down in the University of Florida with his research down there? Or did you find 
the uh, information from the, the traditional Thai and Malaysian cultures where they've been using Kratom for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And actually, there's over a million people in Thailand that use it every day from the age of about 25 until they die. So that's a 50-year lifespan with using yeah. Kratom every day. And so that, that, those type of issues, when I was doing research, really made me think, you know what? The mm -hmm. risk-reward profile for this is right for yeah. me. What, what led you to that decision? I mean, you know, it always starts with well, what are people doing and what's worked? I mean, you know, I got into some, you know, foraging for wild things. Just, again, trying anything. Oh, broadly. Yeah, broadly. Yeah. Let's, let's find something. Um, and I have, you know, I, I put some real bad stuff in my body. Um, I, I, you know, some of these medicines, you know, I sit there in an infusion chair for four hours and it feels like there's fire running through my veins mm -hmm. as they're pumping this, you know, they put this, the nurse comes in in full gown and, and gloves all the way up to her shoulders and protective masks and all this. And she's holding the bag of medicine with the radioactive symbol on it. And she comes in protecting herself from this and then puts it on my IV drip and plugs it into my vein. No <laughs> No one now. Why are you protecting yourself, but we're putting it in my body? Um, that doesn't make sense to me necessarily. And realizing like, you know, the incident rate of Crohn's, ulcerative colitis is going through the roof. There's something going on that's causing this. Um, this isn't the way it should be. It always just causes me to revert back to like, then how ought it be? Um, you know, where are we traditionally getting our medicines from and and how are we you know using them and refining them and processing them and all of that and i mean kratom really stood out you know in the same way like the coca leaves and cannabis and stuff like that like there's medicinal value to this mm -hmm. that ought to be investigated and then from there like just basically agreeing that historically it's been used and it seems pretty damn safe um, was enough to lead me to, well, then I'll investigate the stories. Um, you know, my background's a clinical psychologist and I love hearing stories from people and I will, you know, cultivate those stories and those relationships in order to, I want to hear. And a lot of people say there's no value in anecdotal evidence. And I completely disagree. I, um, I want to hear people that are like me, that can relate to me that say, oh yeah, I've had that same problem too. And I tried this, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've, and during the course of this, this route of life, I've tried so many things and so many things didn't work, but that's okay because it worked for somebody else. And I just wanted to see if it would work for me. And you tried it. Yeah. And I tried it and I know, you know, I don't have to wonder for the rest of my life and I don't have to take things that, you know, have radioactive symbols on them. Um, it, the Kratom was okay. Let me start listening to what other people are saying about this. And let me tune out the disinformation and the propaganda and let me see what's actually here. Um, and that was enough for me to say, I'm, I'm all in for trying. Um, and, you know, it was at that point that I bought my first kilo of it. And it was like, let me give this a serious, serious attempt at seeing what can I do to my body when I take this? And, you know, as a scientist, I'm somebody that I don't speak up very quickly. I like to gather all the evidence and get all the numbers and data coming in before I'm willing to put myself out there and say one way or another, any conclusion. And there's only two things ever in my life 
that I've ever spoken up about uh, in a matter of days. The first one was CBD oil, and the second one took two days. And I called my mom and I said, without a shadow of a doubt, Kratom is it. Um, but he always it, calls and he says, I don't want you to get too excited. <laughs> but, but, you know, I'm on the other end going, thank you, God. You know, this is what I've been praying for and, and just just wanting for him. So, But he's always, he always, don't get too excited now, Mom. But it's it. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it hasn't turned. It hasn't changed. You know, there's been some experimentation and figuring out. Um, you know, colors and, and where you're getting it from, your suppliers, the purity. Uh, and there's a lot of variables we don't understand. But, you know, I, I wake up every morning now. I'm on very big red uh, and it knocks this out. I mean, it is I I mean, for reference, I just just this past couple of weeks. I mean, I I flipped a condo here in the city in nine days um, from uninhabitable to ready for market. That is. That should have been impossible for me. Um, just a short while ago before Kratom, impossible. I would have never been able to, to go that long, let alone get the calories in my body to get the energy um, and have all that process through my system in a way in which I'm extracting the energy from it. I didn't have that ability. Um, Kratom gave me that ability back. Kratom gave me the opportunity to to live and to do these sorts of things. And it was it was truly by looking at what historically worked and listening to what other people were saying and taking those grains of truth and putting them together in a way that we'll see, we'll see that. Um, it's your I personal call. combination. He's, he's found his combination. I mean, cannabis put him into remission, but Kratom gave him his life back. That's, that's an incredible story. And I think you're exactly right about anecdotal stories. That was one thing that actually led me to Kratom as well. All of these overwhelming stories about people who used yeah. it to actually get off heroin, to get off alcohol. Yeah. There's been people who, who've used it for depression, who've used it for chronic pain. And I've used it in the past when I was cut off from opioids, you know, from pain pills. I, I hate the word opioid or opiate and all of that. It's pain medicine, really. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, I used it to eliminate 95% of my withdrawal symptoms. And so yeah. it, wow. it was a huge factor for me. Because I've gone through withdrawal before, you know, without it, and it's absolutely miserable. You know that from yeah. uh, from your experience as well. Now, you talked about experimentation, Brandon, and it took years to figure out what worked exactly for you with cannabis and, yeah. and Kratom. Now, you're still in that experimental phase. What exactly with cannabis are you looking for when you take it? You talked about CBD oil, and is it are you still vaping or smoking cannabis as well? So... There's, I mean, there's no doubt for me, uh, smoking, burning the, the flower is not good for my Crohn's. Mm -hmm. um, I can feel at the same rate that it starts to take care of symptoms, I feel it activate some symptoms when I smoke flower. Um, so I try to avoid that. Um, there's, you know, I, I started out on straight CBD oil on a hemp-based product. Yeah. And, you know, that was before the pilot program started in Illinois and I had legal access to THC. Um, but once that came about in the state and I was able to, you know, as you had discussed earlier, the synergistic effects that exist there, um, it really started, let's, let's nail this down. Let's approach this. I mean, you walk into the dispensaries in Illinois. I mean, I've got hundreds and hundreds of options for product with That's numbers great. that are, you know, all over the board. 
and it can be overwhelming. You don't have a doctor guiding you. You don't have, you know, somebody holding your hand through this. You have to approach this methodically. And a lot of people, I think, get discouraged by, well, it's not working or it's it's too strong or I just go to sleep, you know, whatever their complaint is. Um, But walking in and I mean, I love the dispensary. (laughs) They are they're great people who are there to help. And if you communicate with them, they will start keeping track for you to some extent and start helping of saying, well, last time you said this and, you know, you felt this way with that. Um, and I was able to, to start pulling some of these numbers together. of Where do I need to be? Um, I need to be able to do what I need to do without the head high. But I need all that spasms and, um, you know, smooth muscle contraction in my gut to stop. I need the pain to stop. Um, so where's that balance at? And now, I mean, it, it took a while. Now I, I start my day with a oil, an edible a coconut oil. Um, that lasts me about 12 hours before I will have to, uh, I've got concentrates that I will vape. And that's where I basically sit. Like I, I will make my own, you know, butters and things out of flour, but I like to not burn. Um, but that works. It's pretty non-invasive in terms of my cannabis use and, and how I how I get that medicine in my body. And I've hit those numbers that are good. I mean, I I, I get about 60 at a minimum milligrams of CBD a day. Um, and I tend to find that that one-to-one ratio at least is where I need to be, that I need to pull at least 60 milligrams of THC as well into my system. Um, you know, as, as things go, as this disease wants to try and fight what I'm doing, um, you know, it more rumbles, more whatever, hit it with more CBD. Um, I will, I've got a little bait pen for the micro dosing, um, you know, just, and it's done and everything just starts melting away again. Um, so I found, a, I think a, a good system. Like I, I don't feel very tied to my medication. I feel tied to the Kratom. It's mm-hmm. a lot more to do, uh, to get Kratom in my system, but um, the cannabis is, is pretty easy. I'm a few minutes a day and, and that's it. And I'm able to function. I'm able, regardless of what they say, I'm able to function. I'm able to drive a car. I'm able to sign for a bank loan. I'm able to take care of myself. I don't need, I'm, I'm not medicated. I'm not high. I don't necessarily even understand what high means. Um, this is me. I live my life completely medicated. The only time I'm not medicated is when I go to bed. Um, it's the first thing I do when I wake up and it's the last thing I do before I go to bed. Um, but during the day I am, I'm 10 out of 10, um, clarity, focus, ability to, to eat, ability to sleep, ability to, to do whatever. Um, and the system works, you know, the Kratom on the other hand, like, you know, making pills is a bummer. Uh, using the oblate discs is, is a little bit of work. Um, but there's, you know, I would, it's the best use of my time. I, to, to pay. Uh, I don't care if it's a price to pay. I would, I would do it if it, if it meant that kind of time and energy commitment, um, because the, the outcomes of taking that, that leaf are just, I mean, amazing. Well, Ginger, what have you seen as far as personality wise, the difference between Brandon before he tried cannabis and Kratom? Because I think for me, 
pain destroys a person. It really yes. does. It cuts social ties. It, it takes away your ability to produce and be a productive citizen in society and to give value. And unfortunately, uh, if you are sick for a long time, a lot of times friends will move on. And that's not yeah. a bad thing because they have to move on in their life to yeah. fill that gap. And unfortunately, the isolation is what I think is the worst part of yeah. chronic illness. Have you seen Brandon change in the last five to 10 years? <laughs> Has there been a, a big improvement as far as socializing and just getting your son back to where he was before he got sick? You don't want to know Brandon on prednisone or any of that. <laughs> I've been you on that as well. That's terrible. Yeah, he is horrendous. You know, easy to ignite. Uh, fiery temper, nothing's good, you know, all the time. As a matter of fact, when he got married and his wife was going through this prednisone thing with him once, I said, it's not him talking, it's the prednisone. And it's really hard for people who don't know this, that she'd never experienced this, um, to see that there are different Brandons. The Brandon on the prednisone, the MP6, all that other stuff that, you know, he had when he was much younger, he, he, you just couldn't please him. He was a very unhappy soul. Um, and now that he's, he's where he's at, I mean, he's, he's the Brandon that I knew was inside there, but I didn't know how to get it out. He jokes with you. Um, he laughs. He's out and about doing things. If you didn't know him during that 19, 20-year period, you'd probably think nothing occurred. Yeah. Um, what did occur was all really is bad for Brandon. It was ugly. He, you know, like you say, friends come and go, and they don't understand uh, necessarily what you're going through, and it's it's it was it was hard to watch, and it was hard to be around him. I mean, there were times I just go, Brandon, you know, we're done. Uh, it's not you talking. It's prednisone or some other thing. You know, go away. I don't find that when he's doing the kratom and the cannabis. He's just Brandon. He laughs, he watches a movie, he's not unhappy, you know. It, life is good. And that's all you ever want for your children. Just a happy, healthy life. I'm not asking for anything more. So I'm thrilled. I mean, like I said, I, I could do little happy dances and everything because this is my Brandon. Well, that's fantastic. I think that people don't understand chronic illness. It's not talked about in the media. You don't see movies about it. You don't yep. read books about it. There's not stories that people understand unless, and even people that are close to you that have chronic illness, they hide a lot of it, that they'll, yep. they'll isolate themselves instead. Because like you talked about when you're on prednisone or you're on, in pain or on these other medications, you're a miserable human being. Yep. And you don't want to, I always don't want to spread that misery. So I would rather lock myself away. Yep then infect other people. That's how you feel. Yep. I don't know if you felt that as well. I mean, it was always, I'd rather destroy myself than destroy somebody else. And I understood what this was doing to me. Um, I mean, I, I had, I mean, I had, you know, just the friends. I mean, like you said, I mean, that touches real close to home. Like it's hard for people to understand what's going on. Um, they look at you, but I'm hiding so much and what they do see like, I'm trying my best to even not even let that out. Um, but what I hide, like, you know, chronic illness deserves, I don't know, recognition, awards. That doesn't mean anything. But understanding more than anything that 
we're going through something every single day of my life with no hope for this to ever leave. This is an incurable disease that will be with me until the day I die. Um, if this doesn't be the thing that kills me, um, you know, that's, it's hard. It's, it's hard when I'm watching everybody else get married and have kids and yeah. not, not Brandon. Um, it's hard when I, I mean, I had a, an ex fiance after my surgery riding up with me in the elevator, uh, as I'm suffering and she goes, Brandon, I didn't sign up for this. No shit. Neither did I. Right. Um, it was broken. She didn't, but, want you know, how do I, how do I get that across to you that I'm still me, despite the fact that chronic illness is trying to destroy me? Um, there's a battle that's been, you know, waged here between who Brandon is and what Crohn's disease wants for me. And to come out the other side of that, as I am now, I mean, I, I mean, thank the Lord, because it's, it didn't seem that way for a long time. Right. It seemed like this was this was it. Like I was meant to a, a life of misery, of suffering, of torture. And, and it was all of that. And then even more, um, chronic illness is tough, but you don't have to, you do not have to suffer like that. Um, I mean, the stress that it would cause in my body alone was enough to bring the Crohn's then out even more of I'm suffering. I'm isolated. Um, you know, I've got all these people who want to help me, but what do you want to do? You want to wipe my butt for me? Um, there's nothing other people can really do no, in those situations. No, yeah, it's not. And you know, as you said, like people move on with life, but I felt the pause button got hit mm -hmm. for my own and that mm -hmm. I was more a spectator to what was happening in the world than I was an active participant in it. And to get off the sidelines like that, you know, and I, I, I desperately wanted it every step of the way. There's never been a moment where I relished or enjoyed what was happening. It was, you know, this silently suffering and, and trying everything I could to be the good patient. Um, but I was, I wasn't able to get back in the game and to be able to, to do this safely. Um, I don't worry about, I mean, I just joked last night with some friends, you know, we've all heard those, those medication commercials on television oh, okay. and uh, <laughs> did he just say my death is going to be caused by this? Well, well, everybody is dancing around in the meadow with the sun shining, the dogs and the puppies are everywhere. Life's good. Everything's great. Be happy. Don't worry by about the way, Yeah. Don't worry about the side effects. Yeah. It's crazy. Yes. Um, I did not have <laughs> that stress hanging over me of what am I doing to myself? Um, I have a chronic illness. It's being managed wonderfully. I've achieved clinical remission that's been verified by, you know, trained medical professionals. I have no threat of overdose. I have no threat of cancer. I have no threat of any of these things from my treatment choice for taking care of this thing that's going to be with me forever. If it's going to be with me forever, then I better be making some very wise choices. Because it's easy to listen to what the doctors say who are responding to what seems to be an acute problem for them, not realizing after our relationships terminated and I, I leave the office or we no longer see each other, I still suffer and I still have Crohn's and it's still happening. So this isn't an acute issue and getting my numbers down to where you want them isn't the goal. Right. Living life, you know, <laughs> disease free or with as lowest impact 
that as this disease can cause my life is the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wake up with smiles on my face, which, you know, everybody, everybody if you have chronic illness, then that's something that, you know, you should never just put that on the shelf and say, I guess that life's not for me. Um, because I, I got close of, I guess those things just aren't for Brandon. Um, that's depressing as shit. It is. Uh, he wants to think that some aspect of life is beyond their reach. Um, that not fair. It's just flat out not fair. And for somebody to come and to tell me what I can and cannot do and, and put into my body, no, it's not happening. I will never allow it. And I think more and more people, I'm sorry, Ginger, go ahead. No, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be doing this anyway. They shouldn't be trying to regulate something. I love what the AKA is doing as far as quality standards. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that, that's wonderful. And that needs to be there. Um, but telling people what you can and can't put in your body, especially when it makes such a difference. I read, I'm on social media and you'll, some of them, they'll say, I can't go on like this, you know, and they're feeling bad. And, you know, he was like that. I remember nights when he was in tears because the pain and it's going to go on. Is this my life? You know? And and now look at him. I mean, how could you not be thrilled? Uh, and it can happen. I keep telling it can happen for yeah. you. It just find it. Just don't give and up. And don't be I think afraid. Yeah. yeah. Don't ever give up. Don't that, give up because then the disease wins. And I think there is a huge mental part to it as well. I, you know, depression, I think inflammation in the body, I think inflames the brain as well. That there's a mechanical process or biological process that does happen where depression is so easy to fall into and it's a downward yeah. spiral that I've had to pull myself out of many, many times because yeah. it does seem like a life sentence and it does seem like, a, yeah. like you said, you're on the sidelines of life and that it's hard yeah. to watch other people living and to have politicians, bureaucrats, and the media determine or think they, that they know better for you, I think is one of the most insane ideas that yeah. that is out there right now. I'm, I'm personally a libertarian. I believe individuals should own themselves. Yeah. They own their body, their mind. They own their experience. You live inside your body and mind, and you should have the right. You do have the inherent natural right uh, to ingest what you choose to and then to bear the consequences. Yeah. You talk yeah. about the radioactive stuff that they're putting in you in a full gown and blast shield, and then those people will turn around and say, well, Kratom is dangerous. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't think we're speaking the same language here. Yeah. But that's what they're taught. They're just like I was. Right. You know, if, if you have no reason, if you don't know anyone that's, you know, chronically ill or has issues or dependencies and you haven't done the research, then you honestly still believe all this stuff. You right. you think my government and my doctors, they wouldn't lie to me, right? Come on. We're all friends here. And it's all about the money, you know, and where they're not your friends. You know, you have to be your best friend. You have to be an advocate for you. And that's a great point about being an advocate and experimenting on yourself and doing so in a, in a responsible way. Because at the end of the day, like you said, you're responsible for how you feel. You're responsible for uh, definitely your life. Now, getting back to Kratom for just a second, what strains do you use? Because I know there's a lot of confusion. I use Red Vein Bali. And, you know, the more I talk to, we had Kelly Dunn on from Urban Ice Organics. He owns the company and he's the producer of A Leaf of Faith, that documentary Chris Bell did. Yep. And he talked about where he doesn't think, at least from the scientific literature, that there's differences between strains. 
But my experience is that I, I've seen pretty big differences between them. I didn't know what your thoughts are on that. You know, I, uh, I came across a thread on the Kratom subreddit recently, and it was a gentleman who was, you know, basically touting himself as one of the biggest experts on Kratom. He's seen the farms, he's talked to so-and-so, he goes every year to the, the, the forests and has seen the harvesting and all this. And he talked about essentially that idea of like, there's no differences. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's all the same way when it comes off the tree, basically. Um, a white veined, you know, leaf is extremely rare, you know, one out of a hundred trees or something. Um, and he basically said, you know, it's the curing method and it's, it's the harvesting issues and, and how quickly they can dry this and all of this that really has an effect on, you know, the alkaloid content that gets trapped into the leaf and all of this. And I was like, okay, like this started to explain at the, you know, basically like right time for me where it's like, well, there's, there's not differences, but then there seems to be big differences because yeah. we recently just even, uh, I mean, I had to send a, a kilo back because it was green Mingda and you know, I would, so my, my habit was I had 250 gram bags as one bag got low, I would dump that on top of a new bag. So I ended up having, you know, multiple times where I would tell mom and dad, like, Kratom works, but I can't understand what's happening that I have bad days sometimes. And these days can string together two or three, four days. And I don't necessarily know what's going on. Um, well, as I started to look at it and realize like, well, I was having great success on the red that I was on, but then I would pour a little bit of red on top of a green. And as I was, you know, dishing out what was left of the red and mixing it with green, I would get worse and worse until I was finally on a pure green strain um, that I was, you know, having almost no medicinal value to it. Mm -hmm. And it was, well, what's going on then? Is it, is it the alkaloid content? Is it just right. the fact that it's greens? Is it just the fact that it's the green Ming Da strain? Um, what's happening here. And that's kind of like the stuff that I really get excited about for where we can take this and where this can go with just a little bit of study, because the benefits, I mean, figure out stuff like that. You're, you know, you're a millionaire, no doubt. Um, to figure out what's <laughs> happening here with these different strains and how they affect people um, is huge. And once we unlock that, it'll change a lot how we dose and, and how we medicate with Kratom. But for me at the present moment, I am locked in on some reds. Um, I, I'm nervous about going back to greens. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was just that batch of green Ming Da that was bad. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what was yeah. happening. All I know is I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I want what works. And when I find something that works, it definitely really, okay. really, really works. Um, you know, I've had success with like, you know, some of the whites, some mm -hmm. of the yellows, but Nothing like what I have seen when I take, uh, right now I take very big red. Um, and I create, I, I, I see no reason to buy anything else. Um, you know, and people talk about rotating and right. tolerance building and stuff like that. I've not seen it. Um, I will sit here on this red as long as I can until mm -hmm. something changes. And at that point, then I'll say, well, let's try rotating or do something different or whatever. But um, at the present moment, once I found what worked, that's where I feel comfortable sticking for now. And, and that's what Kelly did also mention that it has more to do, he thinks, with location where it's grown. 
and yeah. the effects of the microclimate and the different effects maybe that might uh, might happen. So I'm really excited about the prospect of kratom being grown in the United States. There's some pilot yeah. programs that are happening right now, and like you talked about with the cannabis and. For the last 80 years, we didn't have it legal so people could experiment with it. And I, so, yeah. so I think that's vitally important to keep Kratom legal because otherwise we're going we're gonna to lose almost 100 years if it goes yeah. the same route as cannabis where people yeah. can't – that they can't experiment with it, that they can't really break down uh, what, it hap what happens with it. Now, there are a lot of conflicting studies about cannabis out there, and I think – that a lot of them have to do with these researchers are using the crappy weed that the U.S. government grows. Uh, yeah. And so what do you say to people who said, well, I've read this study or that study where it says it's not really effective? Because I've had some people push back that say, you know what, they think it's actually addictive and dangerous and that they don't see the science backing up these anecdotal claims. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, you know, for over a decade, I was just, you know, in the journals nonstop, whatever, you know, a lot of them were psychology journals, but medical journals as well. Um, then the truth started leaking out and we found out like basically all of social psychology was propped up on some research that was completely a lie. And, you know, as the research worked off of those lies, more and more lies got perpetrated. And, you know, come to find out, like, the entire, like, field of social psychology is based on bullshit. And I recently, you know, came across something as well that said, like, I, I don't know if it was, like, uh, JAMA or, you know, Journal of Medical America, Journal of American Medical Association or whatever. There was one of those big medical journals where the editor came out and said, basically, and I believe it was a female, and in her opinion, uh, half of all the research was wrong. Yes, um, I've read that as well. You start to realize, like, it's not really about about what the journals even say necessarily. You have to start looking at people's motives, and you have to start looking at why they're doing what they're doing and why they're studying what they're studying. We're getting to the point where, like, these are asking some really in-depth questions that the average person doesn't have the time to investigate. Um, you know, you want to come home and relax after work. You don't want to dive into you know, who Tom Smith is and why is he writing this article about such and such. Um, I think, you know, it's easy. We live in a, you know, a, a Twitter kind of culture and society where, you know, 140 characters or whatever, and that's all you get to, to get your message across. Um, you know, there's some real flashy journal articles and titles that come out that make really big claims um, that, can't be backed up in any way, shape, or form. You know, you give me five minutes with the article, I'll destroy it based upon methodology and subjects and, and all of this. It just, a lot of this takes a more critical eye, I think, in terms of investigating and really takes, we're talking about a shift and we're talking about opening minds up to, to what's possible, what's medicine, what's health, what's treatment, some real core questions that the average person isn't thinking about when they want that instantaneous gratification from taking a pill and saying, my problem's gone now. Um, well, the average person doesn't understand so much about yeah. how it works and what, I mean, it, I take the hemp based CBD for my arthritis 
And when I run into people and I'll say, well, you know, there's hemp-based and then there's cannabis and, you know, CBD and THC, hemp-based doesn't have THC. You see them gloss over, right? But you've already lost them because you're throwing stuff at them. They have no idea what you're really saying, but they like what they're hearing. Mm-hmm. It works. So it, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It works. Yeah. That's and, all people want to hear. People. Yeah. That's it. And so it's, it's how do we educate everybody? Um, but not to the point where they're looking through journals and, you know, yeah. you get lost in there. And, right. you know, I'm really counting on people like the AKA and, and the cannabis society group to like, keep it straight for me, you know, keep them honest, keep it straight and not force me into journals that I'll get lost in and go, I have no idea what this just said. So no, what, what about I, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. I've, I've kept some articles, and I always hold on to the good ones. Um, and I think that that's crucial because as you know, the opportunity presents itself, there's an article that came out of uh, Jerusalem studying cannabis mm-hmm. use for Crohn's disease. And, I mean, it was – now, they made some wild claims. Don't get me wrong. They made some irresponsibly wild claims um, to the benefits of cannabis. And they were talking about putting like 70 some percent or something in remission with it. And it was like, oh, wow, that sounds like it's really working. Investigate and you see, well, it needs to be a better study. But yet still, the truth is there behind it. And for those who can digest that stuff, it's about, you know, giving them that information in a responsible way that is, you know, okay, I understand what's happening here. Let's talk about this. Um, For other people, you know, like my mom saying, like a lot of it, there's gatekeepers. And we need those gatekeepers to make sure that there's some level of truth that I can, you know, access very quickly without having to sort through, you know, having, you know, a PhD in order to understand what the hell they're even saying here. Um, And I think, you know, things like what the AKA does, I think as we start to see some relaxation of uh, cannabis research and stuff, that we'll get to that point of seeing like, okay, we we can trust what's coming out of this. The reliability and replicability has been there. Um, but I mean, I like to not, and going back to kind of what I said earlier, like I like to avoid that if at all right. costs. And that's where I hit the anecdotal stories. I agree. That those individual stories tend to tell so much more than what any journal article ever can. And, you know, I people that have similar conditions to me or people who have said like CBD doesn't work for me. Well, if you want to sit down and have a conversation about that, I'd love to do that. But, you know, the fact that we all have an endocannabinoid system proves that that is wrong. Um, but I don't know what else you're doing with your life. I don't know what you're ingesting, what you eat, what you, you diet, t- what you exercise, right. what's your stress exactly. level, um, all of those things. But either it does or it doesn't um, isn't really the issue. It's more just listen to these stories. And tell me that either every single one of these people is a drug-seeking maniac or that there's some level of medicinal value here that ought to be respected as a society that wants to respect, like, rights and freedoms. Um, to say that, like, I have this position that I'm at in life and I'm, you know, opening a restaurant here in Rogers Park in Chicago. Congratulations. And that I'm, okay. and that I'm moving towards that and to think that I've got somebody, an organization, an individual, somebody who's getting kickbacks from uh, Big Farm that's going to say, you need to make that illegal and stop that Kratom thing because I've got a pill that, you know, does the same thing, basically. 
Like you would literally take my life away from me. Yes. You will, you will strip me of everything that is my ability to, to live, to work, to love, to serve others, to, to teach, uh, to be a, I mean, Chicago, Chicago is in a bad way. Yes. Uh, Chicago needs people who care about other people. And to think that you're going to lock me in my house on that toilet because you're afraid of what Kratom can do is, is ex- extremely wrong. Um, I think it's criminal. I think those individual stories stand up a lot more than any, any journal article ever could. And that's how humans have learned for the last two million years, if you believe the evolutionary model, that, that human wisdom comes from somebody trying something. There's always going to be pioneers in society, right? Yeah. In a tribe. There's always going to be somebody who needs to try something or just wants to. I've always had that mentality of looking for the fringe ideas and, and going for the solutions that don't fit into the, the box that uh, that most people live in because I've never fit inside that box. I've always yeah. had medical issues that have always kept me outside the box. So I'm very receptive to listening to people about ideas that have worked for them or products or services because in the end, all that matters is how individuals feel. That's really yeah. all that really matters because that determines the quality of your life, the quality of your relationships, and the quality of what you can do for others. Because in the end, you have to produce to consume. You have to provide value for others uh, within the tribe because we're all connected in society, you know, from the individual yep. to, to the, uh, the nation and actually the world. You know, we're all, we're all connected. And I think this is – that's why we call the podcast Chronically Human. Because we are all suffering the same condition, which is being chronically human. Yep. We all yep. have issues, and and the more solutions we find, I think the better we all are. Now, Ginger, yep. with the with the the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, have they been receptive? Because I know they're kind of a in the box kind of group. I've had some dealings a long time ago. I haven't been uh, active recently, but how have they felt about cannabis and kratom? You know, the first year that I got involved and I started with it, it was flat out. We don't want anything to do with cannabis. That's it. And, of course, you know, I'm always talking about Brandon and how he's doing and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I'm always pushing. You know, you have somebody, the cannabis folks, sitting out there wanting to donate money to to your cause, and you're not taking it, even though it's legal, like in the state of Illinois, mm-hmm. you won't take their money and, and further the cause and do the research and do it with, you know, cannabis. I, I didn't get it. So I kind of, um, uh, I'm in charge of things that, you know, I make sure that cannabis makes a presence at our walks. That's great. Um, they, they are there. Um, you know, Brandon has the support of Presco and they are right there. Um, you know, we've got little signs, you know, and we're having new ones made up about, you know, cannabis putting him to remission. Let people know that this yeah. is an option. That's all we're trying to do is there. It's like I have all these options available and they're all drugs, you know, things that will have side effects and bad things. But here are some options for you that maybe will not affect you the same way. It'll be good for you, cannabis and kratom. And we need to just I see it as an obligation of the foundation to tell people these are the options. I'm not telling you which one's right for you because they don't know. Right. But these are the options. So, yes, um, you know, like I'll have definitely a presence from the cannabis industry and the Kratom industry at our awoc. That's Because fantastic. it's an option. 
I think I, I think obligation and option are so key that if we do have a story to tell, that it is powerful and that it does change minds, and that people yeah. will initially say no to everything. That's just human nature because uh, you re- it's a lot easier to reject something you're uncertain about because it lives Why in. Exactly. It lives in the unknown territory. And so we are the ones in the darkness right now exploring new territory for all of humanity, if you think about it. And everybody who shares their story is connecting another dot that adds to human wisdom. And I can't think of a better way to live your life and to share your story than it is to to advance human knowledge. And I think that's definitely what you guys are doing and sharing and sharing the story. You know, 80 years worth of brainwashing yes. yeah you know and and if it if if i go out there and i do these things and one more person just one more changes his life or her life the way that brandon has oh my goodness that is the best news you could ever yeah. give me and that's what i'm going to do i'm just going to keep telling people and getting it out there best i can and if, if they one day say you can't do that then i'll find another way well, that's great. Definitely. Have you guys been politically active at all? Are you mostly engaged on the organizational side with private charities? It's been on the organizational side for me. Mm-hmm. I would love to be more political and, and I would love for more of the stories get out there that, you know, when, when Capitol Hill's deciding something that affects my family and my son's life, that he needs to be able to get up there and say, you can't do this. I need this. And, you know, it's like someone chronically ill, if they want to try dirt and it helps them, you know, wonderful. I'm glad. Don't let anybody tell you, no, you can't do this. You can die, but we're not going to give you this to live. No, there's nothing I wouldn't do for Brandon. Well, that, that's definitely how my mom feels as well. I actually testified in front of the Georgia Kratom Safety Committee meeting with legislatures, and I gave my story. It was only about two minutes long, but you could tell that the people who were there at the state level, at least, are very caring people in the Georgia legislature that were really trying to find out you know, if this was something safe or not or if this mm-hmm. was something that was helping people. And I think stories do change. And we actually, um, we had other people, because the AKA, Dave Herman actually lives in Atlanta, so he was at the meeting. And he was at a Senate meeting as well, and we spoke, a few of us. And we flipped some people just with brief testimony that lasted less than a couple minutes each, that they had no idea about this. And what you talk about, Ginger, is people just don't know. And doctors yeah. just don't know. And we had Pat Anson on with the Pain News Network. And he advocates for people, if you see a news story, he said, write that reporter because they yep. might not know the other story and, and offer to share your story as well. Because his take is that the media drives politics or maybe it's yeah. a circular type deal. I don't know how that actually they works. They feed off each other. <laughs> exactly. It's, it, and we get chewed up in that tornado of hysteria over these different yeah. issues. Uh, I thought that was some great advice and I'd never really thought about that before. Now, what would you leave people, Brandon, as far as telling people about cannabis and kratom and Crohn's disease uh, going forward? If somebody wanted to start, first of all, doing the research and then experimenting with trying to find what works, because it took you four or five years to find the right combination of the two. Um, you know, I mean, I think 
you kind of hit the nail on the head with saying like we're we are pioneers in this. Um, I didn't I didn't sign up for this to be a pioneer. I signed up for this because I needed help. Right. Um, and I was willing to accept the responsibilities that came with doing something, not knowing what the outcome was going to be. Um, but now that I've done it and a lot more people have done it, um, we're starting to be able to compile these stories and to say, really, it's a force to be to at least look at it and think about it and and accept the stories for what they are, which is individual truth. Um when it comes to Crohn's, I, I tried it all. Um, I did it all. I would. I'm, I'm a million dollar man. You know, the insurance yeah, companies love me. Yeah, me too. My, or they hate to. You know, yes. my treatment of two weeks was was seventeen thousand dollars at one point. Unbelievable. Um, that money adds up, and and you start to realize like this is a strong force to fight against. Um, you know, I like to say like. Well, my medicines are expensive out of pocket because no insurance covers up. Um, you know, and the realization is, God, I spend one one thousand what the insurance companies were spending trying to do what cannabis and kratom can do. Um, there's there's motivations, and you have to realize that people are telling the stories they want to tell for their own individual reasons. Um, my story is one that. Crohn's, colitis, uh, IBD is a horrible, horrible, destructive disease. Um, a lot of people with Crohn's aren't going to want to hear what... A lot of people with Crohn's don't like what I have to say. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Um, They're resistant to it because... <laughs> is that because... Do you, why do you think that is? Why do you think they are resistant? Are they so far inside the box that they can't see beyond the box to this territory that we're now exploring? Or they don't I even think, know if it exists. They don't even know new territory is possible. I mean, I think it's about education, um, for sure. I think a lot of people are scared. I think, um, I think what what people are doing that have done things like what I'm doing, uh, it takes courage. Um, you have to stand up to some really strong people and to some really strong organizations, and you have to stand up for yourself. And, you know, that's going to create some waves and people don't like making that wake behind them. They want things to be easy and, and, and you know, light. Um, this is pretty intense stuff. Um, and that kind of news of, hey, you guys, you don't have to do that is is not going to be extreme. I mean, they're not really receptive to it because um, their story is one that's different. They've gotten themselves so far in. And I was also so far in right. that I couldn't see a way out. But the Lord provided a way out with, with you know, these plants that can grow from the ground, that can treat these terrible diseases, uh, treat the symptoms of them. Like, it sounds too good to be true. And, you know, a lot of people, I've dealt with a lot of people with CBD. And, you know, oh, it didn't work for me. Well, what else were you taking? What were you doing? What was going on? How much did you take? How often were you taking it? These are a lot of questions, and people don't like to be and they just questioned. Yeah. And they say, this is too much. This is too much. Um, so there's a level of courage. There's a level of bravery that comes with doing this. But it, um, I, we're, we're, we're being lied to uh, by, 
Western medicine by pharmaceuticals um, in terms of what they can do. Their power is exaggerated. Their all-knowing knowledge is actually a drop in a bucket. And they're doing a best-guess scenario. And I did a best-guess scenario, and my best guess was better than their best guess. Um, (laughs) Russell Cohen, as a doctor, was a very strong, imposing man. Um, He's very, very smart, and everybody that treats Crohn's disease is doing what he tells them to do. He writes the papers. He writes the course of treatment for everybody to stand up to him and to say, you're not working. And that I think there's something that might work that I'm going to try. They were completely, they didn't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard. And when you've got that brainwashing from those doctors telling you, you need me. Right. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I need you because I'm hurting and I'm suffering and I want help and I want it from anybody that can offer it. But you have that white coat that makes me trust you. Right. Um, you know, people say the Crohn's people, and a lot of them don't like what I have to say is, yeah, maybe it worked for you, but it's not going to work for me. And mine is, well, how do you know that unless you try? Um, yeah, I was extreme. I quit all my medicines um, in order to do this. Um, it was not a stupid choice, and it was not without understanding of what I was doing. Um, and I did it carefully. And and it took a lot of faith. Um, that that thing inside of me that was saying this isn't working, this is wrong, could actually be right. And that faith that maybe there is something else led me to this. Um, I, as I, I mean, you asked me that, and I'm, I'm thinking back to the amount of strength it took to do this. Um, it's scary, but listen to what people are saying, and I'm trying to cut that fear for you. I already went before you and did this. Now take what I've learned and and keep building on it and keep learning more and more experiments and more research and all of this. Um, Don't let Crohn's, don't let IBD dictate who you are. It is not who you are. There is so much, it's just a shell. I mean, we become shells of who we were. And now that I've come out of that, like I'm dedicated to this. Like you asked about, you know, where I'm willing to participate, like organizations and things like, I didn't have the energy right, to do exactly. any of it. That's, I was that's just... one of the things, yeah, that people don't realize with, especially with the pain community or the chronic illness community, they say politicians, peak up, they, they pick easy fights because they yes. know that people won't defend themselves or can't defend themselves because economically, uh, on average, chronically ill people and people in pain are on the lower side of the income scale because they're in pain and chronically ill. Yep. And they don't have giant pharmaceutical companies or anybody really champion their cause to push back against these rules and regulations and laws that keep us from looking for alternatives that don't actually benefit them. They benefit us. Yep. I mean, I will fight for those that, that can't fight for themselves. I've, I've done this. I've carried this banner and I will never put it down. Um, I've got my life back and I didn't think it was possible. And I doubt it every step of the way, but I've got my life back. And for those who who can't trust that, who can't make that decision on their own yet or or fully commit, it's fine. But you have to start somewhere of getting it back because it can be yours again. Um, I I will, if need be, I will get political with this. If need be, I will. Nothing. There's 
not much is going to take me to the streets. Um, <laughs> I will go to the streets for this. Right. This is important. This is this is fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. This is fighting for a, an inherent right that God gave us to yes. put into our bodies what we want to put into our bodies. This is about true health, true treatment, all of this. I, I just want to encourage people that I know it's scary and I know it's hard, um, but there is hope in this. Mm-hmm. There is massive amounts of hope in this. Um, well, that's a, that's a fantastic message, Brandon, that there is hope. Don't give up. And Ginger, how much, how much was faith a part of this for you? You guys mentioned faith in God a couple times. How much was it that you did have faith that I think that, uh, unfortunately, that there's a lot of moving away from faith in a higher power or God or the belief that things can improve. There's a pessimism that does creep yeah. in. I've experienced it myself with the lack yes. of faith. The older I get, the more I am turning more and more back to that idea that there is hope, that there is a higher power, that there is, uh, you know, we, humans call it God or whatever you want to call it, but that there is, um, that there are solutions out there, and it's almost like it's been designed that way. What do you, what is your thought on that, Ginger, about hope and faith dealing with chronic illness? Well, definitely you have to have faith, but you know, sometimes I've had my, my husband's my rock. I mean, when, when I was falling apart, he'd be right there. Come on, we can do this. We can do this. And I can tell you without a doubt, if Brandon didn't have the faith that he has in God, you wouldn't be talking to him today. Because in his darkest moments, it's been, it's been hard. It's been very hard. And to go on and, oh, you hit me all emotional. No, <laughs> well, but, it is an emotional no, issue. Definitely faith in God. And, you know, my husband and I, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary, and I was all excited. We're going out to dinner, but we forgot Sundays, you know, restaurants, a lot of them aren't open on Sundays. So we ended up at a restaurant that we go to frequently, but God put us there because our waiter has Crohn's disease. And he came up to me, and he said he'd moved back from Arizona, and I said, oh, yeah, what brought you back? Well, I've been sick. And I knew. You've got Crohn's disease. Wow. And he said, yes. So I started talking, you know me, I started talking about my cannabis and my Kratom. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, Kratom. He says, I'm already doing cannabis. I'm looking at Kratom. And I said, oh, what do you need to know? What about what research have you done? And so we were put there for that reason. And as it turned out, the table just overhead it like a 14-year-old daughter and she's ill. And they're going through the diagnostics part, but it could be it's an IBD type thing. Mm-hmm. So we were put there to have this conversation about Kratom and cannabis with our waiter. Um, And and I find that happens a lot. You know, when when Brandon's feeling down, I said, Brandon, you know, God's putting you somewhere for a reason. And he's always found, yep, there's a reason I was was here. This guy needed me or, you know, what happened in his life. So, yeah, definitely, if it weren't for faith, there are days that, yeah, are really dark. And, and that's, I think, a great way to wrap it up, guys, about chronic illness, chronic pain. It can be extremely dark, and it doesn't feel like that you can get out of that downward health spiral, which brings down your personality. It brings down your hope and your faith in, in yourself and in, and in God itself, in, in God as well. And that there are alternatives out there like cannabis and Kratom, and that I'm, I'm glad that cannabis is legalized in a lot of places. Unfortunately, in Georgia, we still have some some work to do and so 
Uh, I want to get more involved in that. But as far as Kratom goes, uh, the Georgia passed almost unanimously, I believe, to keep Kratom legal. And so uh, I know in some states they're having some big issues like in Ohio. And so I think the American Kratom uh, Association is very important for for keeping that legal. So I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to connect today, guys, and to hear your story. And that, uh, that I think that a lot of people can get a lot of value about hearing both sides from the, the parent side as well as from the individual who's suffering because it, it is the whole family that suffers. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Uh, this didn't just happen to me. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's taken everybody that loves me, everybody that's been around me on a journey. And we're all doing this together. As you said, this is a brotherhood of humans. <laughs> uh, we are all down here. And we're all human, and it's one thing we all can connect with. And how this radiates out and the impacts it has has been both negative, but now on the flip side, have been extremely positive to see how those connections, that support system, um, how it works to to translate to to the success that I found. Um, with I just hope team. everybody finds a success. Everyone deserves to find this amount of success. That's a great. And it's not just for me; it's my family. Like to be able to. To be able to eat a meal with my family yes. and to not have to cut out real soon or right. to, oh, my God's hurt and I can't go out tonight. Like, those things matter. To see smiles on my family's faces, you know, as one who suffers with chronic illness, like, that's just as important to make sure that I'm not impacting others in that negative way, that I can see my family thrive in the same way that I myself have experienced this thrive. Because nobody wants to be a burden on those they love. And a lot of times when you're sick, that's that's the, the reality of it. But at the same time, I don't think the family ever feels that. You know, they, they are there to help and support. Yeah. Uh, definitely. But at the same time, the more that you can do for others, I think the more that you can do for yourself. So I think it's really yeah. awesome that you guys are sharing your story out there, that you're, you're letting the world know. Uh, especially these big organizations like the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, because you're you're almost like a virus inside of that uh, that institution, really, in a good way. You know, a virus can be a yep. good thing as well, yep. and that you are spreading uh, the message of hope. And I think that's what yep. a lot of people don't have nowadays. And I think there is something to the cult of the white coat, where we have been taught that doctors are God, that doctors are omnipotent, and yep. science is something that we should bow down to. In, re- yep. in reality, I think your, your phrase, individual truth, is so important for us all. So I, w- I really want to thank you guys. And just hold on uh, for a minute after this, after we wrap up, because we'll, we'll talk for just a second. But I want to thank you guys for being here today and sharing your story and letting people know about cannabis and kratom and, and really a measured and also a, um, an informative conversation about the risks and rewards that anecdotal evidence is piling up on the side of kratom. I believe personally it's safe for me, but other people will have to do their own risk or reward analysis and talk to people. Find people that you trust because I think that's the best way to understand if something will help you or not is to talk to people like you, Brandon and Ginger, and find out what people are like in their life and what story that they had. I know that these long-form conversations aren't common anymore like you talk about with the, the world of Twitter that we live in. But I think it's important that we see behind the issues and the ideas and see the people behind them because I think that's what's, what's really important. So thank you guys for being on the show today. And thank th- you. I mean, Brad, thank you so much. Um, I mean, just thank even the platform you. to discuss this, for, like my mom said, for one more person to find this, 
this podcast to get any hope from this. Um, you know, chronic illness isolated me for so long, but now that I've got this story, um, I definitely appreciate the opportunity um, to share this with you, um, with any of your viewers. Like it's, it's a real blessing to be able to talk with you today. Thank you. Thank you very much. You guys have inspired me as well to keep pushing on, to keep working, and to keep spreading the message of hope that uh, that life can get better, that things can improve, even if it's, you know, you're in your darkest day. You know, the, the dawn does come back around. So thank you guys for being here in your story, and thank you everyone for listening today. And don't give up. If you are struggling today, things can improve. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye.